This episode of Literary Treks is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your desktop or mobile device. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Also, help us keep Star Trek discussion coming to you each day by becoming a Trek FM patron through Patreon. Get access to exclusive content and become part of the team. You'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry and you're listening to Trek FM. books. I thought I'd take some light reading in case I got bored. Welcome everyone to another episode of Literary Treks, your dedicated books and comic show here on Trek FM. I am just one of the hosts, Matthew Rushing, and of course with me as he is always, the one, the only, the legend, Dan Gunther. <laughs> wow. Oh, man, these these introductions just get better and better. Uh you know the one, the one and only. I'm thankful that that's the case, given one of the stories we're going to talk about later, uh, for sure. But uh, legendary. Uh, I mean, you know, I almost feel like Barney Stinson's introducing me. This is amazing. Wait for it. Wait for it. And the end is dairy. Legendary. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Oh man, scratch that off my bucket list. Introduced by Barney Stinson. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Uh, well, unfortunately, I am not Barney Simpson, but good news is is that we have some great news to talk about this week, and uh, we have some comics to talk about. I think it's finally time that we just wrap up Starfleet Academy with issue number five, and what did you think? Um, I feel like you're going to be very happy to kind of be putting this one in the rearview mirror, and, uh, you know... I know last time. Do they time... have rearview mirrors on starships? Oh, that's a good question. They probably. Oh, hold on. Let me check the rear view. <laughs> <laughs> you have to back up. You have to shoulder check when you're backing out of space dock, Captain. I mean, come on. Safety first. Um... <laughs> Got him on the, the captain's chair's rearview mirror so he knows who's walking behind him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure Kirk actually had that just to watch the Yeomans walk behind him. You know. Yeah, well, that and beverage cup holders, you know, uh, and so. <laughs> well, okay. How many beverage cup holders does this uh, chair come with? I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I I feel like we're putting off talking about this issue, so I guess we may as well get to it. Um, <laughs> so last time we talked about this, I kind of felt like, oh, you know, this is picked up. I'm I'm enjoying where they're going with this now. Uh, you know, there were a few, couple surprises that I appreciated. Uh, and then we get to this, the final issue. I'm, I'm really sad to say they, they kind of blew it for me. Uh, the surprises are gone. It felt like very paint by numbers. Let's resolve everything exactly the way that you expect it would be resolved. Uh, this one, I do have to say, 
every page was exactly what I expected would happen next. They'd come up with some kind of techie solution. They'd bring the ship out. Everybody would greet them as heroes. And then we even got the Enterprise cameo at the end where Uhura says, hey, you solved my mystery. And that is exactly the way I thought it would play out. No surprises. I was really disappointed by this. I'm sorry to say, because I was really hoping they'd pull it out at the end here and, and really craft a really fascinating story. And I mean, there's some interesting stuff. The The tech solution they use is interesting, kind of cool, I guess. But it's all just very paint by numbers. So you're saying the thrill is gone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You know what? It's so interesting about this comic is I feel like this was one of the better issues that they did, but it's because the two parts of it, two parts of it that they had set up were actually working well together. Mm. Again, the issue became that, well, we really didn't need the the part with uh, Uhura and Kirk or any of that stuff. What you probably should have just done is made a Starfleet Academy series about these new characters and have it kind of be a recurring thing have it continue you know mm. keep doing these different series with these characters maybe that would make it more interesting but it's just it it was so such a jumbled mess of storylines that never connect all that well that it's frustrating because two of these storylines are finally connecting here and that's great uh but like you said, it's at the end where we know how everything's going to wrap up. It's all on a big bow, especially even with the, you know, the Vulcan cadet staying. Uh, the best part of the issue was the fact that they had the refit Enterprise NX-01 on her desk. Yeah, I, I'm glad you noticed that as well, because I thought, oh, hey, that's cool. You know, and yeah, <laughs> like you said, yeah. that's the best part. <laughs> Doug Drexler should be totally proud. He's made a comic with the, the design, so that's fantastic. And the other fun thing was seeing the Enterprise timeline in the JJ verse, <laughs> you know, and what the ship looked like. And uh, apparently, uh, at least if I'm looking from size here, the ship is bigger and yet not quite as big as the new ships we have. But that this Enterprise, it's the same design as the NX-01. Uh, this is the Slayton, obviously. It's not the Enterprise, but mm -hmm. the, it's the same NX design. But it's just larger than we uh, know it to be in Star Trek to fit more within the JJ mm. ship framework. But obviously still smaller than all the other ships that we see in the Federation at this point. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just eh. Yeah. That's, it's, that's... It's, I hate the word meh, but this is so meh. I, I thought of that phrase exactly when I was finished this because I know you dislike that phrase but I was I was thinking to myself yep meh <laughs> like, like I said it's kind of it's it's just there, there are no surprises there's nothing that jumped off the page at me it just it connected all the dots that they'd put on the page and uh, I I think stories should do more than that I I you know mm-hmm I don't know. <laughs> well, and what's so interesting is that we have a brand new series with the characters from the JJ verse. Now, this isn't part of the ongoing series in the sense of they're actually specifically calling this Manifest Destiny, and it's issue one of four, mm -hmm. but it's not 
connected with the rest of them that they're doing right now. Like it's it's it. I don't know if it's like a side story or what, but I find it really interesting. And we're gonna be exploring it, it, the relationship between the Klingons and the Federation here. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to say, I think just because of that, and the setup that we get in the comic is pretty fascinating to see. Um, and we get some great character moments here. I, this is one I don't want to talk in depth about because I feel like at least here the setup so far a lot like the Spock issues that we've been getting Dan mm-hmm. this is doing some really interesting stuff and it's it it, it, it would be wrong of me or, or you I feel like to give too much away I agree yeah this is uh yeah a really tantalizing really interesting setup here um yeah I, I'm I'm enjoying I'm curious to see where it goes next I'm really enjoying the artwork I think that's really well done here and uh, my favorite bit, I have to say, uh, we get a brand new Scotty overly complicated metaphor, which is awesome. <laughs> yes, that was great. That there was great. Um, we actually see uh, Klingon female, which I loved in the JJ verse. I thought that was fantastic. Bones get some great stuff to do mm-hmm. uh, in this issue. So all in all, uh, a, a big winner. In fact, I love the scene where Bones can't think of the metaphor, so he turns to Scotty yeah. to give him the overly complicated metaphor. It, because, the you know, especially in the darkness, Bones was doing a lot of that. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really, I thought that this was fascinating, and I can't wait to see where they're going to continue to go with this as the Enterprise is facing off against the Klingons. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we even see uh, the D7-style but JJ verse version of of that, so going up against the Enterprise and everything like that. So this is just it is action packed, and honestly, got to say I think it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, I uh, definitely agree with that. Really looking forward to see uh, where they go with this because yeah, they've set up some really interesting situations here. And again, like you, I don't really want to give away too much. So uh, do yourselves a favor, go out and grab this one. Um, it looks pretty cool, and that the the final visual of the comic. I won't give it away, but uh, pretty cool. I want to see where what happens next. So, well, if you're looking for any of our Star Trek podcasts here on the Trek FM network, uh, we've got shows covering all corners of the Star Trek universe and beyond. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, of course. If you're an Apple user, please be sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us leave us a star rating and a review. That's really helpful for uh, any of our viewers wanting to find all these amazing Star Trek podcasts during the 50th anniversary year. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link there as well. If you'd like to get into contact with us, we have a form on the website at trek.fm contact. You can leave us a voicemail there as well. Just look in the sidebar on the show page or go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm. We're also on Twitter at trekfm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm. While you're on Facebook, check out our listeners only group called the Babel Conference. Just type that into the search field on Facebook. That's B-A-B-E-L. It's a listeners only group, but just ask to be added and we'll add you right away. For literary treks, we also have a Goodreads group. 
Uh, just go to goodreads.com, search for Literary Treks. There you'll find our bookshelves with all of our previously covered books, as well as what we're currently reading, so you know what's coming up for future episodes. And of course, there are always great conversations happening there about all the books and comics. Well, Dan, I'm really excited uh, because, one, we have a guest with us again this week, which is great. Mm -hmm. And two, we're going to talk about some TOS comics, which, you know, i got to say, for the most part... Um, I really enjoy the TOS comics, you know, mainly because they get to really, I feel like, uh, do what TOS wanted to do, mm -hmm. which was, you know, really show crazy galaxy out there. And, you know, all you have that's uh, holding you back is the cost of ink. Yeah. And I feel like TOS as a series is really, it fits really well in the medium uh, because it kind of was the colorful, bright, uh, outlandish series if that makes sense so it fits well in the comic medium definitely well back with us here on literary tracks is bruce gibson bruce how's it going it's going really well i think we have a misunderstanding because when you said we we're gonna uh, when you said comics i thought we were gonna do jokes i thought the whole idea was to have comics <laughs> on the show doing stand-up <laughs> uh-oh uh, -oh. uh well, that would be interesting. That's one way to go. Um, but I, I hope that you actually just read the comic that we're going to talk about and, and not, you know, studied up on, you know, Rosie O'Donnell and, you know, Chris Rock and stuff. Well, I did both, actually. So we're good to go. Oh, whew. okay. okay. <laughs> good to know. Good Although to know. I think I like well, Chris Rock a little better than this one. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I found both funny. Anyway, I'll, I'll stop right there. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> the comic that we're talking about tonight is Burden of Knowledge, and it's the graphic novel that they created out of four different comics, Uncertain Perceptions, it's a Failure to Communicate, A Matter of Perspective, and the last one being The Burden of Knowledge. And so I'm excited to dive into these, but I wanted to ask you guys a question. You know, one of the most important things about comics really is the artwork. And so I wanted to ask you what y'all's impressions of the artwork were in this comic. It was kind of one thing that I felt worked on occasion and on occasion really didn't work. Uh, it's kind of a simplistic style which is, um, you know, it, it's kind of good to get into and, and uh, get get into the story that way. But sometimes, you know, it's looking a little bit too cartoony for my tastes. Um, I prefer generally a little bit more of a realistic look, but uh, I can certainly see where this would be appealing to a lot of other people. Um, yeah, I don't know. Bruce, what did you think of that? I like the artwork of the characters from the series. Uh, when it comes mm -hmm. to some of the aliens, the new aliens, they look very comic bookish, if that makes any sense. A little, a little too cartoonish. Like there's these uh, bird-like aliens we see in one of the comics that looks like you know a bunch of parakeets walking around. So a little, some of that which which was done a little more realistic. And not to say that you couldn't have parakeets walking around, but <laughs> um, no, but I, I does kind of seem like something you would see on TOS parakeets walking around, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I did think about how this would work in um, the animated series and mm, yeah. kind of fit into that. But I did like the artwork for the most part. I really did like it a lot. Mm -hmm. I have to say, um, 
I don't really like the artwork here. I, I felt like that it was a little bit too simplistic, and I felt like most of, for me, personally, I wasn't really enjoying the character art uh, for our, even our main characters. I, Kirk really almost never really looks like Kirk. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I wasn't feeling the love, you know, um, and it wasn't because it was too artistically done or anything like some of the comics we've seen, Dan. Yeah. This just, it, it just felt, honestly, it felt a little bit lazy. Yeah. It, it I definitely get that. It Laissez-faire comics. Yeah. I, I feel like it got a little better the further, like, the more issues you got into it. Um, I don't know if that's because I got more used to the style or not, but, you know, looking back at these first few pages of the first story, no, nah, I don't think that was it. It's It's pretty rough. A lot of, yeah, Kirk doesn't really look like Kirk. Spock's got these bright blue eyes for some reason. I don't, it's just not quite working for me here. Well, um, you know, and and that's that's only one thing for comic. You know, art it can either be good or bad, but really, you know, in the end, it's not just the art, but it really becomes about the story then. And since we're kind of split there on what we think about the art, and so this whole comic series all four issues kind of revolve around the enterprise being out there in space and about them making some first contacts which i thought great premise you know really getting the opportunity to dive into something that's so classic in star trek the idea of first contacts and and you know um we see a lot of that throughout the original series and so exploring that some in comics and maybe a different way i think was is a really fun idea and so this this first planet they go to not only is it a first contact for them really um but it, it and it's not so much first contact but it's more about we're trying to see if this is a group that we'd allow into the federation i thought that was uh, that was a really interesting and fun thing to be talking about in a star trek comic cuz uh, we don't really see a, a ton of that I, I feel like in tos this idea of you know, trying to figure out if somebody's ready for Federation membership. Mm. Yeah, it was a, it's an interesting premise for a story. One, you know, that we've seen a lot of in a lot of books and comics and that kind of thing. Um, But, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly an interesting hook. It's, uh, you know, one of the primary things that Star Trek does is, you know, this whole cultures coming together and what that means and that kind of thing. So yeah, it's an interesting starting place. As far as how well they explore the issue, I'm not convinced that it's that great. But uh, but yeah, the the initial premise I think is is definitely very Star Trek, and it's a very strong one to start with. What I liked about this planet was the fact that the this race is known for their medical advances, and I th- what I found interesting about it was. Here's a planet they they're looking to bring into the fold of the Federation, and this is the third time that uh, Starfleet has visited the planet to get them into membership. And Bones is so excited about the medical advances of this of this planet of the uh, race on this planet that it, it dawned on me how by bringing new planets, new species into the fold of the Federation, only helps to propel their advances in technology forward. And 
I thought, well, this is really cool because maybe Bones became a better medical doctor because he learned something from this this planet, from this this race of beings. And I was hoping to see that maybe further along in the story, which we didn't really see that pay off. But I thought it was an interesting concept that you can find a race out there with such advancements, more so than the Federation, that the Federation could benefit from it. Well, and that was an interesting thing, too, because it made me think of the times in which we might fudge something because somebody's going to give us uh, something right away for the benefit of them being part of a, our group, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it almost reminded me of that that thing that, like, and I, I, I think we've all done it, so I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but... Uh, and all you podcast listeners, I'm sure you've done this too, but you kind of wanted to become friends with that person because they had cool stuff, <laughs> you know, and like you'd benefit from their cool stuff. And that's kind of how I felt about this planet. Like, you know, Bones is so excited about this whole idea of the medical advances and everything. And the question becomes, are are, are is Kirk is talking about at the very beginning, we kind of really need to vet these people to make sure that how they live, who they are fits with the values and the tenets of what we believe in the Federation. And, you know, obviously what we come to find out here is that probably not ready and it's going to take time because as happens with most things in Star Trek, things go horribly wrong uh and kirk and the away team and their you know guide around this city here that's magnificent i love the 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 look of of the city i thought that was actually really cool with the art uh they're attacked and one of their crew members is is almost killed Mm -hmm. and uh they put him through one of their uh, medical treatment bays and what would have taken, Bone said, months and weeks of recovery, took a few minutes, and he's back. Then, they're abducted. So it's like, it goes from bad to worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have to say, my mind went to immediately that same place that you were talking about, that that idea of something that's so alluring that we look past... Um, obvious flaws or you know are unwilling to see where the flaws are in order to you know get the thing that uh you know is the draw here and you know the advanced metal medical technology maybe some questions need to be asked that aren't asked because you know this is such an alluring thing um the one thing i do have to say the artwork one part where i laughed out loud at the art and actually really loved it is where they get abducted here, and then Spock attempts to nerve pinch one of the parakeet aliens. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, what are you doing? And then Kirk just lays him out with a right cross. And I don't know, that frame where he gets hit, there's something just really great about that. I, I don't know exactly what they got the movement exactly right. Uh, that's one part where I kind of, okay, I see where they're going with this style here. I like that. Um and yeah, no, I think that looks great. And this whole scenario is really interesting and brings up a lot of questions about, you know, what are our value values and are we willing to look past them for, you know, a greater prize? 
I'm looking at those panels now and I'm trying to hold back from laughing, but it is kind of <laughs> funny looking. <laughs> and the fact that, you know, parakeets don't really have shoulders. So how, where do you really grip on a parakeet like this? I'm not mm. really sure to do a, a Vulcan nerve pinch. But uh, one of the things that t- took me out of this as I'm reading it, I, I have a feeling I'm going to start laughing through this whole thing. Sorry. Uh that's okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. We do that a lot when we talk about comics okay. on this show. Um, one of the things I like is okay. The planet they get attacked. These three ships come in. They get attacked, and they use their phasers to to shoot the ships that drive the ships off. Then later they get abducted using this mothership uses a transporter, and then the Enterprise is like, oh my gosh, they've been beamed aboard the mothership, and I'm like, well. Wait, how did the mothership get there without the Enterprise not seeing it, send three <laughs> ships down to attack the planet, and then later the Enterprise realizes, oh, wait, there's a mothership. <laughs> I, I don't understand how they got past the Enterprise to begin with in the first place. And so I go into my headcanon, and I just try to figure this out and think, well, maybe they thought it was just a ship that was a friendly ship that was visiting, and the planet didn't seem to be distressed about it. I don't know. But that's mm. that's just me. Yeah, this is one comic that I think really f- like this first issue especially falls under that falls into that trap of a bunch of things happen and we're not going to really explain how they happen or why they happen. It's just like, OK, well, moving on to the next thing, we need them to get abducted. So they're abducted. Uh, you know, we'll gloss over, you know, how that exactly happens. But oh, now they've got to be rescued, you know. We'll just we'll just get there without really showing you exactly what's going on or, you know, even it really making sense. And, you know, a lot of comics seem to do that. This one that definitely did jump out at me as well, for sure. Yeah, I I felt like it was kind of much like a Star Trek episode (laughs) where things just happen because they're actiony and fun. You know, it, it's it was less about kind of the realism, quote unquote, of, of Star Trek, you know, that we might get later on where things do try to make a little bit more sense. This definitely feels so much in line with what we get in the series. And what I liked is that, um, you know, Kirk and the and his crew escape with their, you know, quote unquote host from the planet that they've been visiting they get to the bridge and they're like, oh, thank God, you can tell your ship to stop shooting us. We we weren't really trying to get you. We just wanted him and our transporter technology picked you guys up too. It was just all a big mistake. And it just it seemed like such classic Star Trek uh, original series slapstick almost. Like, oh, so sorry about that. We didn't mean to get you in the middle of all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just kind of an odd resolution to that, you know. <laughs> couldn't just beam them back down immediately oh whoops hold on <laughs> but no we've got to go through this whole thing here <laughs> well yeah and then the the blue race guys i don't remember their names i'm not even going to try but the blue race guys there <laughs> and the parakeet says you know well, we're just really mad at him he was supposed to deliver something to us and we never received it from him and, and he reneged on his deal with us and the blue guy's like whoa wait 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 it's just it's just a misunderstanding it's like an accounting error or something and curse like wait let me step in we are good at negotiating <laughs> between races and they're like uh no hold on a second and the two the parakeet and the red guy and the blue guy step off talk among themselves and come back and say no you know we're good we, we figured it out we're, we worked it out and curse like oh okay 
Like, <laughs> and then he gives that whole speech oh, about yeah. how that's what the Federation is is all about, working together. And the two guys in the artwork, <laughs> you can tell, are rolling their eyes. That is, my, <laughs> oh, that is so perfect. And, you know, I have to say this speech bubble here of Kirk's, like, they've they've bolded exactly the right words to give it Kirk's cadence. Like I submit to you that this is not only an opportunity for lasting peace, but also for a stepping stone to joining our Federation. And like, that's the moment where they're kind of glancing sidelong at each other, rolling. I was perfect. I, I did really enjoy that part. Well, and, and it's, it's interesting, too, because, you know, this is one of those, and, and the comic does this a few times uh, where it wraps up and everybody's kind of around the bridge and they're talking, uh, and there isn't like a, I, I don't know, I guess maybe if you call this a joke moment where Bones talks about how he he hopes that this can happen soon, and Bo- Jim's like, don't be too eager, Bones, and you could almost maybe see the music and then the side shot you know like they just freeze frame there you know and it was it was it was pretty nice so i mean they are what i like about the comic i think here is that uh, for the most part they are capturing the essence of the way that the characters talk you know mm-hmm. and and who the characters are so i feel like even if the art isn't capturing that as well i do feel like that the writing is doing that and so um, that's the real plus that we've got going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It, it, there are a lot of elements that contribute to making this really feel like an episode of TOS. And I, I think that is, you know, if there are strengths to be gleaned from these comics, uh, that's definitely the biggest one to me. Well, and then the next issue is, is well, what we have here is a failure to communicate. Uh, and I thought this was... To me, this was the most interesting. Um, so the planet that they are going to visit uh, is a planet that every member of the society has an implant on the side of their head. And that implant connects them with everybody else. It's almost like a mini board collective, but they're they're not they're not like that, but it allows them to work together. Everybody can collaborate on music and art and and architecture and science and all these things and i thought you know the setup of this was really really fascinating it actually was an uh, i thought an amazing idea of what if the board collective wasn't so insidious that was just phenomenally interesting to me mm-hmm. to me this this really felt like it was almost trying to say something about um, kind of being constantly connected to other people, uh, not through a device that you hold in your hand, but hey, Dan, I can't, I can't hear you right now. I'm on, uh, I'm on Facebook and Twitter at the <laughs> same time, uh, and while I'm Instagramming, so I, I can't, I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe we should just put something in the side of our heads that can connect us. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I have to admit, one of the things that I thought about was, you know, when you're out in a restaurant and you see two people sitting at a table, and both of them are on their devices. And they're kind of also trying to have a conversation, but it's in kind of that same halting manner that that the aliens on this world speak in, because they're kind of invested in that conversation. But, you know, they're also hearing all this other stuff and sifting through all this other noise. And uh, I, I felt there was kind of something there. 
and then uh and then spock making reference to like flash mobs <laughs> in the 21st century and that kind of thing i was like okay yeah there's definitely something there like they're definitely kind of trying to uh make a connection there spock's a big fan of flash mob <laughs> videos he's still looking them up on space tube <laughs> yeah i'm too uh, i'm so sad that they didn't put him actually doing that in there um, but I, you know, I, I actually did think the same thing. I thought about social media. I thought, okay, being always connected, everybody's connected with each other. And, and I'm thinking through Facebook, through Twitter, Instagram, whatever, Snapchat. And, but then at the same time, I'm thinking about how there, there's a lot of harmony in this culture and in their society, they're portraying as if, if we know each other's thoughts, we can work collectively together in harmony and be on the same, basically, wavelength. But then I started really... W- We're all in this together. <laughs> it's like high school musical. Oh my musical. gosh, you sing on every episode. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. You have no idea. <laughs> so, no, keep that up. That's good. It's a musical p- podcast. Doo-doo. So... um See, now I lost my train of thought. No, but anyway, so they, not only are they in harmony, but then I thought, well, if really we knew each other's thoughts, if we, if we knew as a society everything that we're thinking and communicating in that manner, I don't know if there really would be harmony because you would know everything that person is thinking and not everybody's going to have the same thought. So really, would you be in harmony or is it the fact that Everybody knows everybody's thoughts to the point that they're very understanding of each other. And therefore, mm-hmm. that makes the harmony. So that made me, if it gets me thinking like that, then I know this is a good Star Trek uh, story. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was what was so interesting because, you know, at the end uh, or midway through the story, uh, Kirk meets up with a group and they, they turn out to be a dissident group on this planet. They've removed the uh, devices from the side of their head so they're not part of this, you know, uh, flower child community and uh, because they don't want people knowing what they're thinking every single moment. They want to be able to have their own thoughts, their own ideas, their own um, uh, artwork. They, they, you know, they want to have some ownership of their lives. They want to have individuality. And I thought that that was so interesting, this whole idea of like collectivism against uh, individualism and, it, you know, it, it's, it's a real struggle, you know, because there is strength from both, you know, mm. but exclusivity in either one is, is probably harmful, you know, like you can't all just be individuals and everybody do their own thing and nobody ever work together. But is it really good for everyone to know what everybody's thinking in every moment of every single day? does that really work either you know like and so there's got to be some kind of like happy medium and what i loved here is that they don't have an idea of how to work with a group that doesn't think like them this kind of group think and i mean what this comic is like talking about i mean we're facing today uh this whole idea of you know people just being against anyone who doesn't agree with them and they can't deal with it so they just want to shut them down instead of actually have a conversation Mm -hmm. like i this comic had so much to say i think this is phenomenal star trek yeah and i mean this does something that that star trek has a tradition of and and kind of 
like you mentioned, it's showing the uh, the problem of the extremes, you know, like we're not just going to do mm -hmm. a, yeah. an episode talking about racism. We're going to have an episode where two people are so completely, utterly racist for the most ridiculously simple um, thing of, you know, having black on one side and black on the other side. Uh, and, and that's what this story does is it takes the extremes. It takes, you know, one side on the very extreme and the other on the other extreme and highlights those issues and you know this to me is just really in the tradition of good star trek storytelling well and then the one group is going to force the other group to be just like them mm. you know and i thought that was really interesting as well like they're they're going to force them into being exactly what they are and you know it, the the parallels to everything that we see in our world that Again, I just I was struck by like this idea of I can't deal with you unless you're exactly like me. And so if you're not exactly like me, then you're wrong and I don't want to talk to you. In fact, you shouldn't even be able to talk. Shut it down. You're invading my safe space. It's like that's exactly what happens here. Like the the majority group here, they take every these people out again of the collective because they don't know how to deal with them. And they're causing disharmony. Like, so they just basically shut them down. It's just so interesting to to look at this comic. I I really love it. And and of course, you know, this leads to Kirk and the crew having to see that this planet is it's an interesting planet, and they'll want to come back and visit and see how it goes. But you know, they're nowhere near being ready for entrance into something like the Federation. Yeah, and I. One of th my favorite things I liked about this, too, was that when they beamed down t to the planet, they were offered those devices to put on the side of their head so that they could that the crew could also be in tune with everyone on the planet. And, of course, they're weary about that and decide, you know, we, we're not going to do that. And Uhura says, well, you know what? I can monitor their communications with each other on my tricorder. And every panel that I saw her look at her tricorder and she's commenting about all the thoughts that people are exchanging with each other, I thought, it looks like she's on her device reading Twitter. And she's like, oh, you should see these interesting messages that they're communicating with right now. So it actually... She's like, happy face 1158 said. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's excellent. I didn't catch that. That's a really great observation. I thought that's it was awesome. like a subtle way of showing, you know, that hint of, you know, we're kind of inferring, you know, about people being on their devices and exchanging messages. And Yohor is doing that right now. Too bad she's not, you know, texting while she's doing it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, and, and that leads us into... Uh, a matter of perspective. And I, I thought that this was, this is a really interesting issue because it's, it's very simple. Like there's not a ton going on. The enterprise is going to a star base that's run pretty much by Andorians and they're getting their computers upgraded and then they leave and answer a distress call. Like that's, that's really the crux of the story. It was so interesting. But what happens because of their visit at this starbase is kind of fascinating and something I'd never thought of really in line with something we might see in TOS. Like, I definitely don't think we would have seen this with uh, Gene Roddenberry because he would have said, no, 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 we're, we're not facing those kind of issues. 
at this point, you know. Uh, so I, I thought that this was just kind of really fascinating to see. Yeah, this was a this was an interesting one to me. Um, I kind of so the idea is that the Andorians uh, upgraded the Enterprise's computers or did routine maintenance. And now it's kind of thinking it from an Andorian point of view. And this leads to um, conflict with uh, with the Tellarites. And I, that aspect of the story just didn't quite sit well to me. Like it really felt like there was a malevolent purpose behind what they did to the computer. It seemed it didn't quite ring true to me that it was just, you know, kind of a sh slight shift in point of view that would make the enterprise computer suggest, Hey, we should destroy the Tellarite ship. You know, that I, I don't know. It, it, this one felt a little off to me. I have to say, I, I didn't really like the tone of it. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Well, you know, some would say it is true from an Andorian point of view. <laughs> uh, only from someone who has a sh Andorian ship named after him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I'm, I'm with you, Dan. It, it I just I had a little hard time with this one, uh, especially how it ended, because I was a little unclear if the Andorians really did set things up for the Enterprise computer to make it make the create some kind of offense again on the um, Tellarites. But mm -hmm. then at the end, they're like, well, you know, Andorians did wrong and uh, we maybe not want to mention this back to the Federation. We don't want to cause any issues between Tellarites and Andorians any more than there is now. And I thought, well, you know, you almost could have killed these Tellarites or they, they, you know, they were starting to attack the Enterprise too. I mean, there's needs something to be done to, to correct the wrong that was made here by the Andorians. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it, <laughs> I, I was kind of shocked at that too. Like, okay, so you're not going to tell Starfleet that this maintenance facility for your starships is making your starships want to destroy other members of the Federation. Uh, it's it's a minor issue, guys. <laughs> You're blowing it way out of proportion. It's just the Andorians and the Tellarites. They haven't liked each other for hundreds of years. It's cool. Uh, so, yeah, and I mean, oh, man. This just raises so many questions. I mean, we have starships that are completely crewed by Vulcans. It stands to reason there are starships completely crewed by Andorians, you know, and if they get upgraded there, yeah, oh man, like this is just, this is a disaster waiting to happen. If a Tellarite ship gets upgraded there, does it try to attack itself? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Well, that will be in another issue, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to say, I think that this issue is probably the weakest. It's just, it's not very good and it doesn't really... I, I see what they're going for because they're trying to connect with this previous story of we, we we talk about how great the Federation is, everybody's kumbaya, but are we really kumbaya or are we just like putting a whitewash over a, you know, dirty tomb? <laughs> you know, like th that's kind of what the conversation between Bones and Kirk is at the end. And it's just like, but we don't have enough of a... I guess you could talk about the uh, journey to Babel, uh, that episode, you know, where there's some friction between certain members. Mm -hmm. But and and of course, back in the Enterprise days, there's obviously friction. But I don't think there's really enough to support this 
at this point. Yeah. Like I, I would have, I mean, I, I know it's a comic and, and you have to do big stories, but I would have appreciated kind of a more subtle story about, uh, you know, racial tensions in the Federation, you know, two groups having a different idea of how to solve a situation and then, you know, kind of coming to odds over that this situation is just it seems so outlandish to me like i just i didn't buy it i don't i felt like this would never happen at least not to this extent like it it feels like they're trying to minimize it at the end and say oh this wasn't a big deal it was just you know some some bit of stripe no they just about you know destroyed a ship of hundreds of people like no that's not a minor thing you know and uh like I said, I really appreciate the point they're trying to make with this story, but it's just, it's too heavy handed over the top, I think. Yeah. And I, it made me think of Luke Skywalker, uh, because Spock says the upgrade has given our computer a particularly Andorian point of view. And all I heard was Luke Skywalker say point of view. (laughs) Like he said to Obi-Wan, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi could have given the Millennium Falcon his point of view and then everything would have been screwed up. There's obviously so much more there than just a point of view issue that it's, yeah, it's, it's just ridiculous. Well, the very last issue that we have is called the burden of knowledge. And this is where things just get a little bit interesting. They're just wrapping up this whole issue with the Tellarite and Andorian ship when they get a message It says it's coming from Lieutenant Thompson. Now, Lieutenant Thompson is the young ensign who was hurt in the first issue and was restored by the aliens to which we were visiting. And now, apparently, they're getting a message from him. But the weird thing is, he's on the bridge. Bum, bum, bum! (laughs) Now, this this issue, I think, is a is a strong one for them to end on. I like this story. I thought it was a really interesting hook to grab you at the beginning. And I actually really do like the resolution to it and uh, the kind of revelations that are made about, you know, the aliens from the previous story and kind of what it says about some of the issues we were talking about there where, uh, you know, overlooking some things, being blinded to issues because of some... Uh, allure that that's uh that's pulling you in and and you know sparkling your eyes and making you blind to what's really going on i one of my issues i had with this whole series is if in as a graphic novel is i was expecting one continuous story and Mm -hmm. each chapter was an issue that was separate from each other so you really could read the first issue and the last issue because they connect as stories and the two middle ones stand on their own. You could take those out if you really wanted to. So I like Mm -hmm. the fact as I was reading through this, I'm like, why is this a graphic novel? It's just different story after different story. But then we get to the last one. I thought, okay, this one's the one I see the connection to the first story. So this is the one that's going to wrap up all the three into one. It's going to be the one that connects them all. And then we realize why these three stories were told together and it didn't do that. That being said, I really loved this last story. I thought it was humorous. I thought it had an interesting message. But what really got to me was that they took Thompson, this this planet of medical advances, 
the reason they're so advanced in their medical technology and their knowledge is because they take people or races just like they took Thompson and duplicated him 200 times. And so there's 200 Thompsons. So I know I'm jumping ahead to the end here, but there's 200 Thompsons. They free them. So really you have 201 Thompsons and not only are they physically the same, but mentally the same. They have the same memories and everything. They're exact duplicates. So what are you going to do with 201 people that are the same person with the same thoughts and, and experiences and everything? And they play it off as, well, it's not really 201 Thompsons. They're now all separate individuals. They all will have separate different experiences in their life. But at that moment, they practically have the same experiences. And so mm-hmm. they're saying, well, Kirk's like, well, it would be great. Thompson's such a great officer. We can have 201 Thompsons in Starfleet. It's wonderful. But then I start thinking about it, and I'm like, well, if there were 200 ones of me with the same experiences and thoughts that I have as of right now, and you just duplicate me 200 times, what is going to happen? I am not going to, my wife cannot t- handle 201 of me. <laughs> One of us has to stay and the other 200. Darn right about that. <laughs> the other 200 of me have to decide what I'm mm-hmm. going to do. And I can't abandon everything in my life, my, my family, my friends, my jobs, all my dreams and hopes and have to split among 200 of me. I, one of me will, you know, maybe they'll go and, and date, date, Grace Jones or something, and or I don't know. But it's just, that just baffled me. I, I just couldn't, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, that opened up a whole nother can of worms that I felt like there was a whole story there. I wish this would have been the second issue and the third and fourth dealt with Thompson. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that, like, I, I had those same concerns and wonderings uh, when the TNG episode Second Chances came out. I mean, you know, Riker is a commander in Starfleet and this Lieutenant Riker was split off from him years ago and, you know, saved all those colonists that, that Riker saved all those colonists as well. And Riker got a promotion from that and got a great career out of that. And Lieutenant Riker is still a Lieutenant at the end of the episode and goes off to serve. I would be so mad if I were him. Like, you know, not only did I do these same acts of valor to save all these colonists that Commander Riker did, now I don't get the promotion and I've lost all these years of my life being stranded on this planet. You know, now you duplicate this issue, like you said, 200 times for someone. Like, Thompson earned his place on the Enterprise, earned that career and that life, and every single one of those people have the exact same claim to that life that Thompson does. And it just, yeah... No, it baffles the mind. You can't think about it. That way lies madness. It, it... The difference here is the <laughs> fact that in Second Chances, right, the two Rikers have been split apart for some time. So mm-hmm. by the time you really bring them together, they have led, led separate lives for a while. They were established mm-hmm. now as two different people. And you can almost balance maybe one, one other else of you somehow in your life. But if you got 200 of them, <laughs> exactly yeah it just you can't <laughs> it doesn't right and it's like there's consequences there why don't we address that what i mean i i can't even fathom what you would do and it's just it just left that hanging out there so i appreciate 
that and the fact that it got me thinking about it and talking about it with my wife is what would she do with 200 ones of me? But <laughs> at the same time, I'm like, no, there was, this, this could have been a really interesting story and it's left out there. How do you solve a problem like 200 Thompsons? <laughs> I just, I really, that's all I'm thinking is like how, that's what I'm expecting Kirk and, and Spock to break into song. Like they're in the covenant, you know, and uh, talking about how they're going to solve a problem like 200 Thompsons. And it, it, it is a weird thing because it it's not like we're replicating like datas, you know? where you really could put a different data on each ship and they all, even if they all had the same experiences to them, it wouldn't really be that weird because, you know, there's something about biological people that you have the same experience. Like you said, Bruce, like what if he had a girlfriend or a wife or kids, like all of those other Thompsons are going to want to be with him. Luckily our, our guess is probably he's single, you know, whatever, but, it's a weird, weird experience. And then Spock even makes the wonderful Spockism of, it'll be interesting in like, you know, 50 years to see where all these Thompsons <laughs> end up and what they end up doing. And Bones is like, you're talking about a man's life, damn it. You know, like it's it, that part was classic. But the, the idea that there are so many of you out there and you really all do have the same experience so you are the same person until this moment it's very strange mm -hmm. and it made me wonder like what do you do if like you're at a party well this is my brother thompson this is my other brother thompson <laughs> this is my other brother thompson this is my other brother thompson like <laughs> well and i mean i know the economics of the future are totally different from what we have but like you know when thompson's parents die who gets the estate like <laughs> this is just no <laughs> There's too many questions. It does, oh, my head. Do hurts. they all ch just have one, you know, uh, social security number or. <laughs> right. See what I'm saying? This just keeps going and going. The more you think about it, the more situations you think of, how can this possibly work? What would you do in this situation? So, but let's just say this in all seriousness in this comic, maybe it was wrong for us, meaning Starfleet, Kirk's crew, to even release these 200 duplicates. Because you're really creating probably more of an issue than if I, I don't know how they would have been used by these medical professions on this professionals on this planet if they would just release one because they were all in stasis they weren't even doing anything they're all you know basically zombies there and and would they just release one at a time and do some medical tests on them and were, would they be even aware that they have a life? Would they be even aware of their thoughts and feelings? I don't know. But now that we've released them, it's created all kinds of issues. <sighs> it's it's definitely a mess of Thompsons, uh, and I I don't I don't think there unfortunately is a good answer to any of the questions that we have because they don't answer them for us. But it is interesting that it does lead to some really interesting discussion, which is is always fun and. So it kind of uh, leads me to ask you guys, the burden of knowledge, the graphic novel, uh, what do you think you'd rate it? What about you, Bruce? Well, it, I have mixed feelings about this one. It's a little cheesy at times, and you know, there's times that we're laughing about it, but there's some good messages in there. And I thought about the name of it as being the burden of knowledge. And, and I thought, you know, well, what, why is it called that? And I thought the burden of knowledge of 
the first planet of having their medical advances, and they said they've been attacked by other other uh, planets because people are always after wanting their medical knowledge. So that's their burden of their knowledge. And then the second planet, the knowledge of of the society all being connected mentally and knowing each other's thoughts and the burden of, of that where some want their own independence. And then the third one, the burden of knowledge of the Andorian engineers and, and their knowledge of advanced engineering and what they can do to the enterprise. And I thought, so is that the burden? And, and the fourth one, I'm not really too sure. Maybe the burden of knowledge is the fact that you do have so many of yourselves out there and, but overall, I would give uh, I would give this graphic novel 101 Dalmatians out of 201 Thompsons. <laughs> Excellent. Um, yeah, no, I mean this graphic novel really does have its ups and downs, uh, and you know, to me, I'm really glad that it's this final story that it wraps up on because you know it does leave a good taste in my mouth and. The fact that, you know, there is kind of a discussion about, you know, the, you know, what our ideals are and that sort of thing. And, you know, what the lines that we aren't willing to cross in order to uh, advance ourselves. Um, you know, if if you want to get really deep into it, I was thinking of things like, uh, you know, how much medical knowledge came out of, uh, you know, Mangala and, and World War Two and, and, you know, really, really awful things that have been done to advance medical knowledge. And, you know, it, it's kind of a tribute to this comic that it can be kind of silly and goofy. And yet you come away from it thinking some of these thoughts. That said, you know, overall, yeah, there's a, there's definitely one real clunker of a story in there, and and you know it could be, it could hold together a little bit better, and the artwork was sometimes a little hard to get past. I would probably give this one, I would say three out of five, uh, released from Stasis Gorns, uh, so you know, um. Something that, you know, makes you think, but, you know, maybe you want to run away from in some places as well. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. It, this is tough. Um, I, I think that, that a, a failure to communicate issue is so good and it, it gave us so much to talk about and, and, and so much to think about. I think with that one there... Uh, gets the bulk of the rating, and the rest of it, it's it's okay. Um, so I I think uh, probably three and a half out of five uh, Andorian ship upgrades. Uh, so you know it's it's and it's really because that issue is it's just so good. I I really have to give it to them. I think that they really uh, gave us some phenomenal star trek it just it was great star trek and very relevant and well done so uh i'm yeah i'm really excited that that we covered this one just because of that and and because of that i would i would encourage anybody to read uh these because i, I really uh liked what we got in the end um and you know even though the last one is goofy and silly it does lead to some really interesting like moral and philosophical questions when it comes to 
that kind of thing happening, you know, and, and, you know, it could lead to questions about cloning and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, the idea that it's kind of like the island uh, with, uh, you know, oh goodness, uh, Scarlett Johansson and Ewan McGregor, where these people are basically grown to be uh, clones of somebody else so that they can have their body parts that they need them. And that's basically what this place is. So, I mean, the idea of the medical science behind all this, it, it can start some interesting conversations. They don't deal with it great, but it, it, and, and the actual questions that come from it. But when you start to think about it, I think it's, it's excellent. So, um, you know, it, it's, um, it just leaves more work for the reader and sometimes that's okay. So, well, Bruce, uh, we love having you back here in at Literary Treks. And so uh, let everybody know uh, before we do let you get out of here where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. And a lot of times I'm hanging out in the Babel Conference. And uh, I think you'll be seeing something from me soon on StarWarsReport.com, uh, something I'll be writing. Very cool. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for joining Thank us. Yeah, thanks for coming on again. Yeah, it was fun with all two of you. You know, it's always a really good time talking about Star Trek comics. And, uh, you know, having Bruce on this time, again, it, it was just a really fun discussion. I really hope we can keep doing that because this was a lot of fun. Well, you know what I got to say? Laughed? Check. <laughs> Sung? Checked. Had a good time? Check. I, I think it's a winner. Damn. I'm right so. there with you. Absolutely agreed. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and what I loved is that uh, again, you know, we just had really interesting philosophical uh, and uh, just just great conversation. The kind of stuff that drives Star Trek and mm -hmm. why we love Star Trek because it makes us think about our lives and all of that. And I think it's fantastic. And I love that we get to do this because of our associate producers through Patreon. Uh, we've got. Ken Tripp, Brandon J. Matulla, and Bruce Gibson, who is on the show tonight. We really appreciate them for being our associate producers here. And the way they did that is they went to patreon.com. See, Trek FM is a listener-supported network, and you can go to patreon.com slash trekfm, and you can see all the different ways to which you could help us keep bringing this content to you each and every week. It's, it's an expensive thing to put all of this together. We have so many different shows on the network now. And we want to make sure that it keeps coming to you at the highest quality content as it always has. So go to patreon.com slash trekfm and you can see how you can be part of the team. And of course, there are lots of different perks for you like producer credit, seats on the content development team, the Patreon roundtable, and so much more. So please check that out and you find a way to help us out. And of course, we really do appreciate too. I just want to mention this here. Uh, if you're on iTunes... Uh, and you see Literary Treks, or you're listening to Literary Treks, or maybe you're just on iTunes, go over to Literary Treks and give us a review and a star rating, because that really does help more people find the show, and we really appreciate all that have done that before. It's been a while since we've had a new one, so help us out. If you're new to the show, go over to iTunes and give us a star rating and review. That really does help. Now, Dan, when you're not uh, busy trying to figure out which of your 200 and some odd brothers you're talking to, uh, where can we find you? Uh, well, Matthew, you can find me, of course, on my website, uh, treklit.com, where I review Star Trek novels. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. And on Instagram, my username there is Kurtrats47. 
And of course, you can find me on Facebook, kicking around the Babel Conference, talking about all things Star Trek all the time. And Matthew, when you're not questioning the very ideals of the Federation and what it was founded on and settling silly spats between Andorians and Tellarites that really could result in a lot of death, uh, where can we find you? Oh, man, that takes forever. Uh, but when I'm not doing that, I'm probably tweeting about it uh, at MattRushing02. I probably take pictures of it at uh, MRushing02 on Instagram. So a lot of social media. <laughs> you can find me at the Babel Conference, of course. Uh, I'm also uh, doing the orb here on the network with Chris Jones. Where we're talking exclusively about Deep Space Nine. And I do our general geek show here on the network, the 602 Club. And it's so much fun just picking a big new geeky topic each week from out there and all of the other fandoms we love we talk about that i'm also doing a podcast with my friend john mills called aggressive negotiations and you can find that on the nerdparty.com and of course in itunes well thank you so much for joining us and until next time live long and read on you call that light reading to each his own number one